I am the world's worst engineer. <laughs> to give you an example, I drove a Honda car in Europe for about four years. I never opened the bonnet. I learned how to open the bonnet finally. Mm-hmm. And I said, please show me a cold spot where I can touch my finger. Whenever it's car stopped, I should open the bonnet, put my finger, and then four or five people always came and helped. That was Santarwani. Sant is a product of what happens when you combine the right amount of lazy with smart. It's a lethal combination. And oddly enough, he always knew how to get his way. Sant is a 76-year-old man with the heart of a 20-year-old. And this is his story. Hello there and welcome. I'm Amar Khan and this is the Z Medium podcast, a podcast that talks to people and about them too. We narrate people's journeys in the simplest way we can. If you haven't checked out the first episode yet, please do so. Karina was a delight to have on the podcast and her story was an amazing one to share. Now when I said Sant has a young heart, I really meant it. He enjoys dancing, namely salsa, and he's absolutely killed it. in competitions keeping up with his young female dance partners that is and this is entirely him talking now by the way also the reason why he took up salsa in the first place he gets to dance with young beautiful ladies he loves having a good time and his idea of a good time is partying which is why he booked an entire club in mumbai on what was his 69th or 70th birthday yep an entire club But the son that we're talking about right now is extremely different from the son that started his journey way back in the late 1960s. For starters, I am pretty sure a young son would have never forbidden me to call him sir. He would have insisted on it. So let's begin from the beginning. So there were only three paths of education that you could take in the 1960s. Two really. Either you became a doctor or an engineer. And as I mentioned earlier, Sant prides himself on being very lazy. So medicine flew right out the window from there. He did his mechanical engineering and after a brief period of trial and error with jobs, went on to join a company that is now the leading air conditioning company in India. I spent seven years in Blue Star, uh, loved every minute of it, and I got some accelerated promotions. In fact, I was made a... assistant manager in 3 years which was normally the 10 year waiting period and then there was a case of burnout because they could not take me to the next level because there was a lot of opposition mm. from the other departments that you can't have this pipsqueak up at a senior manager level so right. that that got to me a little and at a certain stage i was very content with my job i was enjoying the work At a certain stage, I said, you know, hey, uh, I can't eat titles. Huh? Yeah. I need some money. And that's when I thought of a switch. Mm-hmm. I approached a couple of companies and there were positive responses. Due to serendipity, by chance, my ex-boss was working in Kuwait for a joint venture with a Belgian company. And he called me up and said, would you like to work in Belgium? I said, yes. He put me in touch with the Belgian counterpart. who said send me uh, your biodata by uh, telex 
we had no faxes and all this thing. And the telex cost, I sent it from the central telegraph office at Fountain. Mm-hmm. It cost me 600 rupees, wow. which left my bank balance at zero. <laughs> so, so I did some research. 600 rupees in the 1970s is equivalent to approximately 24,000 rupees today. I should have given a bigger wow for that. That is an ability that Sant had. The ability to take risks. Some risks come back to haunt you, but some pay off well. And this one definitely did. He received the letter of appointment from the Belgian company and his tenure over there and the Middle East had begun. We did projects for the Shah of Iran, then for Saddam, we did a nuclear shelter for Saddam Hussein. Uh, <laughs> it was always interesting work. Uh, in my earlier Blue Star days, I did a factory in Malaysia for the Chandrais. Did another textile mill in Indonesia, where we went on weekend, we used to go to the live volcanoes at Chiatar. I did the Bangkok, we did a couple of projects. I won't tell you what we did on the weekends there. So, and, so uh, life was always interesting there. Clearly, life was interesting and pretty smooth sailing for Sant. And for the purpose of context, when Sant bagged a project, he estimated the costs of executing that project, added his margin, and that was the budget that he submitted to the client. Now, as long as the work was done and everyone was happy, you could play around the budget a bit. How he played with that budget, we'll have to wait a bit more to find that out. His time in Blue Star, Belgium and the Middle East was a rewarding experience. He excelled in areas where others lacked and soon became one of the most sought-after people to execute certain projects. A person getting accelerated promotions, appreciation, monetary rewards almost always has his trade secrets. And he admitted to two things that worked wonders for him. These two things managed to get him to the peak of his success. I always said, uh, for example, I worked in projects for 30, close to 30 years. And the one thing that stood me in good stead and which I realized well on time was that a project is 80% getting along with people and 20% work. I come back to this, get, please get along with people. It may be a little difficult at times. It may feel uh, you're not standing up for your rights. You're not you know, being yeah. assertive enough. No, be agile. Definitely, you must be agile. But you must be agreeable. Getting along with people. It, it may sound simple, but it's easier said than done. Several books have been written on the subject. And even though Sant didn't necessarily read those books, he figured it out pretty early on. He coupled that with the ability to do things out of goodwill for those around him. Small, nice things go a long way. I'll give you an example. We did something for Garbare Polyester, the videotape plant. Mm -hmm. And we were doing a class 100 area. Um, Let's stop there for a second to explain a few technical things in an easy manner. Firstly, a clean room is a controlled environment. Imagine your bedroom. There are a million things that float about your room without you noticing because such things are invisible to the naked eye. These include germs, uh, tiny hair strands, dust, uh, and so on, the sizes of which can be measured in what we call microns. To give you an example, the diameter of a single human hair 
is about 70 microns. When Sant mentions a class 100 area, it means that no more than 100 particles of size 0.5 microns should be present in an area of 1 cubic foot of air. And I hope I did justice to that. Let's continue with the story. Where they were manufacturing the raw material and the videotape, the sheets themselves, and they had a section for a slitter. They were slitting this into small pieces for fitting this. And they said, oh, we don't need a clean room for this slitter. You know, so we have a huge, humongous clean room and a small section aside where they keep the slitter. Because they said, it's a dirty activity anyway, because certain things might fly off when you're slitting and we don't need. And I said, hey, I'm going to give you the clean room for the slitter as well at no charge, no extra charge. Right. I made a lot of money anyway, but uh, <laughs> there's no extra charge. And then they came back and they were ever so grateful because what happened was because we kept the slitter in a clean area, there was no abrasion, there was no dust coming on that. Right. And they were changing the blades every three days. And from here, it went from every three days to every 60 days. And those blades were about uh, a lakh and a half each. So they had a humongous saving. And because of that humongous saving, when Garware Polyester had another project coming up, can anyone take a guess who backed the project without even bidding for it? Doing nice things, indeed, go a long way. After his stint abroad, Sant returned to India. He returned successful, having amassed huge amounts of wealth in the process. It was a testament to, to what a lazy engineer could really do. So, you're 37 years old, have a lot of money, experience, energy, and self-confidence. What do you do next? Sant had the ability to take risks. The great thing about risks is if they pay off, they pay off quite well. But if they don't, they come back to haunt you. And the odds were not in his favor this time. My major setback I have, which I'm glad to share with you, is I was a gambler, a compulsive gambler which means you keep on gambling till you lose money. At the age of 37, having spent eight years abroad and amassed a fair amount of wealth, I was paid well, very well. No? Also, we used to have profit sharing. You made a budget in the office. You sold the project. You designed the project. You executed the project. And when the project ended, they came up with the figures. If you would made the money estimated, they said, good boy. If you made more, they said profit sharing. And if you made less, the watchman at the gate had your belongings in a box and you went home. They said, you sold it, you designed it, you executed it. No excuse. So that went well till I gambled away everything. With all that money I made, I got lots of bonuses because I used Indian labor. And so we used to estimate Belgian labor at $40 an hour. Right. And I hired Indian labor at $40 a week. This was so, in what year? Uh, 77, 77 through 84. The, the profits were humongous. And they were very fair in sharing those profits, which was nice. And I came back at the age of 37. And in three months, I started, I used to go to the race course before. I started betting a little more heavily and we had a lot of fun. So you went to the next bracket, you were... And in three months, I made more money than I'd made in eight years overseas. 
And then he said, you know, we said, what about, what do you want to do? You want to do some, uh, take a job in a factory or set up something? He said, you got to be kidding me. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to the race course, which is two kilometers away. I make so much money. I'm not doing it. This is what I'm going to do. And in the next three months, I had lost everything I earned overseas, everything I earned here. At the age of 37, my net bank balance was zero. Imagine that for a second. Thousands of dollars in your bank account. You bet the money, earn triple the amount. There's a feeling of invincibility when the odds are in your favor. It is difficult in that moment to step out of what you're doing and look at what you've got rather than what more you could get. In that moment of taking another risk, you risk losing it all. And Santh did. I mean, this wasn't the first time his bank balance was at zero. Life had definitely completed a full circle there. But the circumstances, the intention, were very different. At this point, a person is bound to break. To feel that all they've lived for was for nothing. The amount of pain, anguish. Sure, he's talking about it very casually now. But what he felt in that moment could not be explained in words. So what really happens when you broke at that age? You get back up, pull yourself together and restart. That's not what everyone does. But that's what Santh did. He started a company in air filtration. The one subject he knew the most about. The first month I got some business. Then the next three months were blank. So I applied for a job. And a job in Dubai. Al-Sharabi was a thing. And I had the interview. While the guy was interviewing, the job was $1,500. So I said, now I should earn 5000 plus allowances. But circumstance such, I was willing to accept the 1500 So all right, I'll make a go of it. Mm-hmm. And the interview was doing, he said, hold on. He's got a call. He got a call from out on the other line. Those days there were no mobiles, so he just shifted around. So he left the thing. And my interview thing, he had he turned it flip side and left. And I turned it over. He wrote there, very, very good. You know? mm-hmm. He had written there remarks. So I kept going. He came back. So he said, Yes, I'd like to offer you the job. I said, I'm on 2500 <laughs> 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 But you applied for a job. For fifteen hundred, I said yes. I want to that. I've gone very, very good. Deserves that at least. Huh? Yeah. So he said, "All right, you know, give the job in about three weeks' time. We'll do all the paperwork and all." And in that meantime, uh, I got a nice order. So I called him. I said, "Look, I'm very sorry, but I've got this. I was. I told you I'm doing my business. I got this order. If you, I'll come. If you want, I'll come and do the job." He said, no, please, you know, mm. go on your own. But he said, why did you suddenly jump from that? 1,500 to 2,500. I said, I saw the flip side of the sheet. <laughs> no matter what happened, Santh never lost his sense of humor. He found joy in the little things. And I don't think he knows that. But I think that's one of the reasons he could keep going on no matter how big the problem was in his life. Needless to say, the business took off. Repeated successes and employing the right people at the right positions is what made his company prosper. Sure, there were hardships, but there is only little that challenges and life can do to a man 
who could lose everything and restart his journey like it was like it was nothing from what i've heard from other people sant was as ruthless and aggressive in his work as they come he often wasn't nice to people but there was a reason behind it there's a reason behind everything someone does when asked after all these years what success meant to him this is what he had to say for me success is when i'm content early days one was striving for things be it material things or be it recognition uh as you said when did i start being nice when i realized that i was content right so now i'm content i'm happy with my situation where i am where i here i belong here and i'm quite happy to go on like this and you can't put a price on contentment so what is sant up to now retirement no a person who loves doing what he does seldom ever retires sant now runs an advisory firm 53 years of experience in the clean room and air filtration industry passed on to those who seek it he is also a secretary of the contamination control society of india in addition to being on a couple of other international committees in the same field he's definitely going stronger than ever at 76 as we come to the end of the episode we'd like to say that sant leaving a mark in this world is an understatement he impacted several other lives in his journey how 80% of the people that worked under him when he started his company have gone on to be widely successful in life as we speak that does speak volumes of the kind of person he is if you like that episode and want to receive latest updates go on to instagram and linkedin and follow us z medium and yes please share this with others next up is navroz mahodawala's journey and here is a snippet from that conversation as a youngster you don't get it uh, you think it's very glamorous but it's actually not and then when you, when you get in is when you realize that it's a lot of hard work can anyone take a guess to know what he's talking about well stay tuned and goodbye for now